the ideas, the leaders, the lives that are shaping Denmark and the world. From Blocks Hub in Copenhagen, Denmark, this is Global Denmark. Welcome back to the Global Denmark podcast, where we explore how thought leaders and innovators are working to create a better Denmark and a better world. Well, guys, we're back after a couple-week break there, and we had the pleasure recently of speaking with Miss Kinga Zappo Christensen. Kinga is the Deputy Director General of Dansk Industri, or the Confederation of Danish Industry in English. Dansk Industri, as you may or may not know, is Denmark's largest and most influential business organization covering manufacturing as well as service industries across a multitude of sectors. Now, as Deputy Director General, King heads up a lot of DI's global activities, focusing on sustainability and business development services worldwide. Also, strategic initiatives that aim to make Denmark a more attractive place for high-skilled labor to come and work. So we decided to take a look at King's unique background from her journey from Hungary to Denmark, how Denmark is approaching global talent, how Denmark is working with the sustainable development goals to translate into business success, how Denmark is trying to accelerate export, women in leadership, inclusion in the workplace, how King is a mentor for female immigrants, the values that are Denmark's competitive advantage and where Denmark could still improve, and much, much more. This was a conversation I probably could have continued for hours, but we had to make it digestible for you guys. So I really hope you enjoy as much as I did. And without further ado, we bring you Kinge Sapo Christensen. Okay, we are back and better than ever. And I am excited to be talking to our next guest, who is Miss Kinge Sapo Christensen. Kinge, how are you today? I'm very fine, thank you. I'm very excited about your podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, well, it's a, it's a pleasure. I mean, uh, we're really excited to have you here. So maybe, Kinga, we can kind of start out today by you introducing yourself to the audience, tell a little bit about who you are and what your um, current professional role is. Sure. Well, I come from Hungary originally. I was born and raised in Hungary, actually under the communism. So uh, when I was uh, only six, we moved to Africa because my father got a job. So I have kind of a mixed upbringing from Hungary uh, and uh, North Africa, which uh, was quite interesting and defining in my career, but also in my personal life. When I was 18, I decided that I had to see the world and the world must be bigger than in Hungary. So I decided to move away and I ended in a small country called Denmark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you've heard about it. Uh, Anyway, I uh, got a job in an export company and started working and it was supposed to be here only for one year. But already after one day, I was fascinated by the culture and uh, the way of living here. So I decided that uh, I would like to explore the possibility to to move here and uh, started my journey there. It's almost 20 two years ago now, actually 23 years ago, that I came to Denmark for the first time. But I haven't been here all the time. I had to see other parts of the world as well. So I have lived in Asia twice. Uh, I've lived in Mexico and Brazil. I've had the pleasure to um, living in New York City uh, for almost four years. So I've been really uh, back and forth moving around, but always 
somehow came back to small Denmark because uh, I think it's kind of becoming my uh, my second home. I'm also uh, married today uh, to a Dane, so that's been also a special and uh, an exciting uh, journey with a cross-cultural <laughs> marriage that you know everything about, uh, I guess I, as well. I, I know I know a couple <laughs> things there, and I, I thought Christensen. It didn't sound Hungarian. It sounded a little. No, for sure. But you know, my Hungarian name was so complicated uh, when I came here that I thought, you know, I'm just gonna take Christensen. And my husband uh, has a very plain Danish name, Jesper Christensen. So he decided to take my Hungarian name. So just to shake things up a little. Yeah, bit. yeah. You know, we we did that too. And it's funny. My last name is Mulhern, but you know, everyone they look at. You always get that look when they look at my paper, and people are like, Mulhern, Mulhern, and I'm just like, it's Knusen is my wife. Oh, Knusen. Yeah. That's good. It's, That's my, good. it's much like that. easier. You know, you don't have <laughs> yeah. to smell. So anyway, yeah. but the past five years we've spent actually in Denmark. That's the longest period I've ever been to Denmark. But exciting things have been happening both in our personal lives and also uh, career-wise. I'm right now heading uh, quite a large area in Dansk Industri, uh, which is an organization that everybody knows in Denmark, but maybe not the foreign listeners outside of Denmark. It's the largest and most influential and most international business organization in, in, in Denmark. And we basically represent private uh, companies. We have more than 17,000 uh, member companies, both large and small companies. And uh, recently I entered the executive management of the organization after a journey of 12 years in different positions, uh, both in Denmark and also in the U.S. for DI. But uh, if I have to say something more about my personal life, I'm a mother of two uh, two children and decided to actually live in a creative commune in the middle of Copenhagen by the oh, Marble wow. Church. And I think it's uh, it's been also a personal journey to move into a commune. It used to be very normal in Denmark in the 70s. And we have this amazing community in here uh, helping each other and uh, being there for each other, which is not very Danish, by the way. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm always used to, you know, being the um, the awkward one because I've I've always been uh, almost the only foreigner in in a Danish, very Danish context, also in my uh, in my current uh, organization. So somehow uh, searching the little bit unusual context that's a part of my life. I- I mean, King, it's such an amazing story. There was a lot there. You just said your whole journey from Hungary to Africa and being on four continents. And, you know, for our audience, just to stress, Dansk Industry is a huge player. And to make that climb to where you are, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Getting the ex- executive team. Maybe you could talk about the, what that that rise is like to be a a foreigner who's risen to a top Danish organization like that. Some of the challenges and some inspiration for those that maybe have, have that on their agenda going forward. Sure. I mean, it's not not always been easy. <laughs> it's uh, it's been hard work uh, and also a lot of I guess passion and strong will to succeed. But my journey in Denmark started, you know, when I was only like 18, and I constantly knew when I came here that I had to learn the language. And uh, basically, I did that a lot of foreigners fear that I really jumped into deep water and from one day to the other asked everybody around me to. Start stop speaking English to me because I knew instantly this is not going to be easy if everybody speaks English to me. I'm never going to learn the language. And I just somehow instinctly knew right away it's a country where you can definitely get by in English, but you will never get under the people's skin. You know, you will never really understand the people or have really true friendships here unless you speak the language because the Danish language and the Danish culture, they are connected so strongly. So my journey 
journey started by very, you know, uh, drastic. I suddenly just stopped speaking in English and asked people to speak wow. in Danish to me. Cold so, turkey. yeah, it was definitely a cold turkey. And I can definitely say that it's not been easy. And also very, you know, in the beginning, it was a, it was a hurdle because you cannot express yourself and you feel like an idiot, you know, most of the time when you, <laughs> when you are with friends and you I can cannot. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But then, you know, after uh, six months, I was at my first job interview in Danish. And that's how my whole journey started. So I was very fast at it because I was very determined and I knew I had to do it fast. So that was one of the success criteria, I think, when I arrived that I spoke Danish right away the first year already. Determination for you, that's a kind of a driving quality that you had this mindset that I want this and I'm not going to give up until I do this. Exactly. That's a very, very well put. <laughs> it's it's really determination, but also I had just this passion for you know making a life here and, and wanting to have close and deep friendships because as you also know and a lot of foreigners who probably are listening know that if you move to a new country you're you feel very alone in the beginning so friendships is everything you know to get to know the right people it's both coincidental but I also felt that I really kept an open mind and also started to go to you know sport I was a part of a beach volley club you know where I, you know, yeah. could easily uh, meet uh, new people. So I also feel that I did, uh, you know, work for it. I was open-minded, but I, I was also very proactive to get a, a Danish network. And uh, unlike a lot of other foreigners, I really preferred not uh, hanging out with other Hungarians. It's not because okay. there is anything wrong with them, uh, uh, not at all. But I was very <laughs> determined, you know, that if I wanted to try living here, I would have to have a local network. Otherwise, it's too vulnerable. That's really well put. And, you know, you see a lot of the time, you know, it's it's this dilemma between essentially about feeling psychologically safe, right? And, yes. And this creation of the bubble is to insulate from that uncomfortableness, that vulnerability. And some people, you know, I understand it, you, you get permanently stuck in there. But it sounds like that your determination and your proactivity was able to let you face that uncomfortableness. Yeah, for sure. And I must say that Danes are, it's, it's, it's a quite a unique uh, culture because, uh, you know, unless like the U.S. where you come from, where everybody's chit-chatting and it's so easy to meet people. And, you know, there yeah. is there is so much dialogue going on, just meet on a bus or in a train, you know, or at a restaurant. Here it's completely yeah. different. I mean, the Danish culture is all about getting to know people and it takes a long time. My best friend today is uh, Danish. My best friends are Danish actually uh, today. And I remember, you know, taking two three years of constant you know friendship where I could say okay now we are real friends you know it took it took a lot of years and I was (laughs) not used to that I was not used to that from my culture no it's the same yeah you have a conversation for an hour with the uh, a guy in a bus and your best friends in the states sometimes so it's uh, it's, (laughs) it's a very different yeah mentality now you've obviously integrated rather beautifully in that regard and i think that's crucial like you said i mean you know we hear oh you can just get by in english and you can but if you really want to truly participate and have maximum influence i I completely agree to really break into networks and to to be able to climb up the ladder like you have that uh understanding the Danish language and therefore the culture are essential. Now, on the flip side of that coin, you've lived in what four continents, been all over the globe. How do you then import your global mindset 
into an organization that's dominated heavily by Danes? I think that's the reason why I'm at my position today. I think that because I think differently, I bring new perspectives in. I've been enriched, you know, by all my journeys, all the different cultures I've been working in. I really feel that I have been very appreciated in this Danish context because I'm a little bit different. And at the same time, I also, you know, uh, I, I also relate to the Danish values and I have adopted the Danish values. So I think it's kind of twofold, you know, if you want to make it here, you have to, you know, be aligned with the Danish values. But at the same time, if you have an open mind and also bring in new perspectives, I think you can get very far. And that's what I've been feeling in this very Danish organizations where I'm often the only foreigner in the room and the only one with an accent, you know, uh, but I have really accepted it during the years that, that this has to be a strength. I have to turn it into a, a strength and not just feeling uh, as the awkward one in the room. But really, uh, I think I've been using my global experience and also my, uh, you know, my ability to adapt uh, to new cultures that I have had to do uh, many times in my life. I bring that in every day in my professional life and I think that's the reason why I've been you know seen as somebody who can create value in a very Danish uh, organization and I also have to uh, say that I started in DI in the international department where it was a requirement and a must that you have had global experience so yeah. I felt from the beginning uh, very appreciated you know that my global experience was a plus and not something that you know kind of like not, not, not a barrier at least. That's really well put. And, you know, you talked about values before, and I'm curious because you sound like this perfect ambassador for Denmark and also connecting to the world. So I can see why you're perfectly suited for your position. Now, what is one value that you would go out to the world and say, this is where Denmark excels? And then on the flip side of that, what's one value you think that Denmark could uh, maybe work a little bit on? <laughs> oh, there are many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... We start on the positive side. Uh, I think it's uh, it's this uh, deep respect for each other, both for the individual and give space for the individual, but also to uh, to have a respect as a part of a community. I have really always been drawn to that somehow. But when I came here as an 18-year-old, definitely what kept me here was this respect for women. For example, that's that's one of the things yeah. that uh, I yeah. I was not necessarily brought up in. <laughs> so this whole okay. uh, gender equality and respect for being uh, different on many levels uh, really attracted me here, and that you can do everything. I felt like uh, somehow in Denmark that I could achieve anything I wanted. On the other side, like which value Denmark should work on, that's uh, definitely being open to, uh, to now I don't want to say foreigners as such, but being open to the unknown. You know, I still feel it's a comfortable little bubble here on the top of Europe, you know, sometimes yeah. sometimes detached, you know, culture is sometimes detached from from the rest of the world. Even if, you know, I know from my work that most of the Danish companies live off export and we, we are totally dependent economically, you know, on any other level, dependent on the surrounding countries and the surrounding world, you know, but you still uh, sometimes meet quite often meet intolerance you know um, toward the unknown it's I think it's very human but it's such a pity because if we were a little bit more open-minded I think we could achieve even more 
I completely agree there. I want to put a flag in a couple of things you said because I thought it was really interesting. The first one was in terms of the, the really the gender equality issue. And I know that you are, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a mentor for the Vereining Nudenskere. Is that yes. right? For, yes. for immigrant women coming to Denmark? Yes, I've been doing that, yeah, for some years. Terrific. And uh, it's also just giving back, you know. Uh, I really feel that I've been lucky on many levels with my professional and personal life here in Denmark. And that's not the case for many, uh, especially female, you know, foreigners coming in here and not being able to find a job, you know, having difficulties to integrate in the Danish uh, culture also in the workplace so i think that's something that if i can just help one individual then i think it's already an important step well that's that's fantastic king and i really think that's really a model for um you know someone in your position to be doing that for young immigrant women that are coming to denmark that's really terrific now on a broader scale when we talk about women in leadership or inclusion in the workplace. I know that's that's an area that you guys are have a focus on. Maybe you could say a word about that and kind of how you're working to address that. Sure, uh, that's really an area I'm very passionate about. It's not because just not, not because 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 I'm a w- woman, but it's because uh, I think that the talent potential is not not there yet at all. It's not you know we don't we don't really uh, get the best out of uh, the gender potential because a lot of women they just you know uh, cannot uh, break through the uh, the glass ceiling, um, and uh, that's why my organization uh, has always been focusing on diversity, not just the gender basically but also diversity and inclusion in the workplace. There are a lot of amazing Danish companies who are doing a great job integrating, you know, both women, but also foreign talent in uh, in their uh, daily, you know, uh, life and at the workplace. We work especially right now with the agenda of gender equality except on the executive level. So yes. more women in leadership. I myself personally am a, a part of this new um, board, advisory board that we have created, connection with launching a new database of talent female professionals. We try to support to uh, get some new uh, board opportunities, you know, being on on boards in Danish companies, so we can increase the level of female talents at the executive level. We have also recently launched a special committee, basically with Danish CEOs, executives uh, sitting in this committee, together also with some professors and uh, other experts. And we will be starting work, we will be actually working on political suggestions and political initiatives to the government, what they could do, you know, in terms of increasing the level of female uh, leaders. So we do a lot of very hands-on things, basically, at the moment. And right now, I'm also considering how we can help uh, Danish SMEs, uh, the smaller companies, to get started with a diversity policy. And also just to make sure that they are aware that if there is more diversity also on all levels in the company, then you will get more innovation, new ideas. You know, all the analysis I have read, it, you know, points in one direction. And that is that there is a huge potential in innovation if you put different backgrounds, different people together at the table. Uh, absolutely. You know, if you can if you can bring that cognitive diversity and create that inclusive uh, atmosphere to uh, create innovation, you've got the you've got the good recipe there. Absolutely. 
What's but you have story? to have your top level executives, you know, backing this up. They have to have an ambition about it. And it's not just talking. Yep. They have to do something very specific about it and demonstrate action, you know, about it. Set some goals and don't be shy, you know, uh, set uh, high goals for the company and and send a signal from the top level. Yeah. And that it's not only the right thing to do from a normative perspective, but it's also a profitable thing to do and good for, for the bottom sure. line. For sure. Now, the other thing that when you were mentioned before about a value where Denmark could be better, you talked about um, this need to look to the world. And, you know, I know that DI is looking right now into accelerating export. And I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that and also in light of COVID-19. Yeah, so COVID-19 has been really, really hard as as in any any other parts of the world as well for Danish companies and economy. Uh, we are right now trying really to accelerate the international cooperation with other countries and try to basically move remove the barriers there are in terms of exporting and starting up uh, in new countries. You know, we actually live off export in Denmark. A lot of Danes are not aware of it, but a very large percent of, of the Danish economy is based on exporting to new countries. So we are mm-hmm. absolutely dependent on the rest of the world and how it's going globally. So right now, that's uh, my biggest headache is how do we remove barriers uh, you know, in the light of COVID, but also how we can create new uh, market opportunities for Danish technologies and know-how. I really believe Denmark has a unique uh, position also the way forward in terms of sustainability, in terms of green technology and solutions, in terms of how we cooperate and how we create partnerships with even our competitors, you know, that's very unique for for Denmark. You have this uh, partnership approach often between the public and private sector, but also between public uh, private companies, you know, amongst themselves. And that I think it's worth, you know, uh, marketing out there in the world. So we are really trying with some very specific activities to uh, to build a strong image uh, of Danish know-how, Danish technologies, but also the Danish way of cooperating. Yeah, and uh, the Danish way of cooperating there, are we talking about are we talking about low power distance? Are we talking about no, the way we really focus on the sustainable uh, development goals? Yeah, both. So basically, I mean, we will never succeed with the sustainable development goals if we do not enter into partnership partnerships. But what I experience, you know, when I lived in the U.S., for example, I mean, the U.S. economy and society is so competitive. And when you are in Denmark, you can see that even competi- competing companies would sometimes say we have to go together. Because in Denmark, we are such a small country, we understand that only together we can get muscles, you know. So I think this whole approach of thinking larger than yourself, than your own company or yourself as an individual, trying to seek innovative partnerships also across sectors, across, uh, for example, uh, size, like the very big Danish companies often enter into partnerships with very small companies that gives, you know, 
you know, a unique uh, approach and it also gives some extra muscles and power. And I think that's quite unique for, for Denmark and for Scandinavia. And I think we can definitely use that in our approach globally. Let me tell you a very uh, specific example. When I was heading the uh, the office in, uh, in New York, we built up basically a Danish clean tech hub. And that hub over there had one sole purpose, and that is to exchange knowledge and transfer some of the know-how from Denmark to New York in terms of climate adaptation, in terms of energy efficiency, and all the green technologies in New York City. And through that approach, this public-private partnership, we were able to open doors even to the most important influential decision makers over there because they saw some uniqueness in it, you know? So instead of just like going alone, teaming up with the right partners and entering into the right corporations, I think can be one of the biggest unique selling points for Denmark uh, globally. Well, I think you're the right person to kind of drive that agenda as well, you know, with your inclusive outlook and the way to increase this innovation is by being inclusive and open and creating these uh, strategic partnerships. You know, I worked with, I was just doing some uh, podcast recording for this urban tech initiative where they're bringing together these really promising startups worldwide with major Danish corporations like Covi and EV, Velux, mm. et cetera, to create new innovation in different areas. And also, I know you guys are, you've partnered with MIT to yes. you know really look at top talents in their bachelor's or master's level uh, to try to get them to Denmark and drive innovation, you know, looking at different levels of the value chain at different stages of career. I think this multi-pronged approach is quite interesting and it, it looks promising. I can tell you that. Yeah, and I really believe that we need foreign talent in Denmark, both to, you know, spice things up a little bit, or how can I put it in <laughs> yeah, a more professional yeah. way, you know, to to basically increase diversity in when we create new ideas, you know. I mean, uh, I've lived in, you know, eight countries in my life. I know things work very differently everywhere you go. But if you can, you know, infuse this different view and perspectives, uh, as we would like to do with MIT students, you know, we would like actually draw yeah. MIT, MIT students' ideas and this whole, you know, brain capacity closer to Danish companies, then I think we, uh, we will see things in a, in a new light, you know, and uh, I think we will create better results. Absolutely. And are you guys looking at expanding upon that approach and looking for partnerships with other top universities worldwide going forward? Yes. Yes, that's definitely uh, the idea is that we, we've, we've tried this partnership now with MIT. Of course, COVID put a stop on, you know, getting some interns here. That's a pity, but uh, we hope uh, when the situation gets better, we can again invite foreign talents here and being here for internships, uh, you know, in, in Danish companies. But my idea is definitely to expand to other universities and also other parts of the world. Yeah, well, I mean, you've been all over the world, so I think you could probably identify a few, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are so many opportunities out there. Excellent. Well, King, I think this is a great place to take a, a quick break, and then we're going to wrap up the podcast today with what we call our quick fire round. Studying for an executive MBA at Henley Business School in Denmark is an intense and rewarding experience. If you want to achieve the best possible outcomes in business and in life, Henley can give you the skills and knowledge you need through the Henley MBA. For more information, visit henley.dk. Okay, guys, we are back with Ms. Kinge Sabu Christensen, and we are now entering our quickfire round. Kinge, are you ready? Yes, I am. All right. 
Kinga, are there any habits, routines, or rituals you do every day to stay mentally or physically sharp? For sure. I have my coffee. (laughs) (laughs) That's something I appreciate a lot. And I love my uh, coffee machine. And that's kind of like this uh, short break when I have my coffee in the morning. It's something that uh, gets me going and uh, gives me some peace, actually. Well, I I can... uh agree with you on that. I'm actually drinking a coffee as we speak. So (laughs) cheers to that. Cheers to that. Kinga, what is your biggest motivator? You know, to to become someone. And I really don't mean it in a professional way necessarily, but to become a person that will leave an impact behind on people, make an impact on other people and people's lives. Then I think I have made my difference in this short period uh, of my life on earth. Well said. Kinga, have you ever had any one experience or event that you would attribute with a major leap forward in the person or leader you've become? Uh, one specific experience? Uh, maybe. It uh, really goes back to my dad. I was brought up with a dad who was very strong, uh, very dominating, but mm. at the same time always told us to uh, treat everybody, no matter background, no matter education, no matter wealth, equally. And that happens once when I was a child and we went on a bus and there was a man talking very badly to the bus driver, a very humiliating episode. And that stays very strong in my mind because my dad afterwards told us so harshly and so clearly and so strongly that no matter if it's a bus driver or if the person you are talking to an executive CEO you have to talk in the same way and treat people equally and that's something that stayed with me from that day on I think that's a great principle to live by and I think that's one area too where Denmark really shines when we talk about comparing on the global stage that real down-to-earth equality and showing you know intrinsic value of the human being let's say you're invited to a dinner party Kinga and you can invite two people from history alive or dead today who would you invite and why? Uh, people that I have known in my life, or Not necessarily, people, famous people, any, or any, anybody, anybody, anybody in the world. I would definitely like to invite Marita Vestia, you know, the Danish politician, whom oh, yeah. I've been yeah, the EU commissioner, and uh, I've been a, a large fan of her, and I've been following her journey. She's fascinating and really fascinating me. Have you met her yet? No, and you know, I've been thinking for years, when am I going to have the courage to contact her? And now I think in my Mark, current later, position, if I'm... <laughs> if you're listening, that in is an cur- open invitation. Okay, we're going we're gonna to make know, it happen. That's good. Uh, sounds good. No, I've been uh, trying to uh, to uh, get the courage to contact her and, and meet her personally at some point. It will probably happen. And uh, another person, well, actually, that would my late grandfather. I had a grandfather who was a professor and a very fascinating man who had a lot of interest and who taught me everything from how to read the clock, how to swim in the river of Danube, how to bike. He basically taught me all the basic things. And uh, he died uh, quite early and I would have a million questions to ask him and I think I could learn so much from him if he was still alive so I would definitely like uh, him to come uh, to a dinner party with me well, it's, uh, it's beautiful when you have uh, such a, a wonderful relationship like that growing up and the influence I had did so many things with my uncle uh, growing up similar to your grandfather in that way it's just a it's a gift mm. 
Now, do you have a book or potentially books that you could recommend to our audience that you think could be inspiring? Yeah, actually, I've uh, just read two books from an Icelandic author. And I don't even know if I can pronounce her name, Audur Ava Olafsdottir. That, <laughs> that, like, sound, uh, that sounds right. If my yeah, Icelandic so, so basically, I'm very fascinated by Iceland. I have a very dear friend who lives there and we've been traveling there and been exploring the island a couple of times. And I think they have a very special culture and language. It's quite fascinating for me. And this author, Audur Ava Olafsdottir, has uh, written actually a couple of really amazing books and the latest book I, I read from uh, her is called R which is in English how do you say that you know a, a, um, yeah a wound uh, you know a, a mark after yeah. a wound yeah I, I can't remember a scar? The yeah a scar yeah thank you so much yeah a scar and that was a very fascinating book about a man who um, who's about to commit suicide but uh, his uh, his journey just uh, takes a completely new turn uh, I don't want to uh, spoil you know the story yeah. but uh, it's all about actually regaining motivation to live and also how love can uh, really wake you up even if you uh, you have given uh, life up it was a really really good book that sounds really fascinating i love uh, redemption stories and those turnarounds that's uh, we'll, we'll definitely put that up on our list so our audience can take a look too thank you sure. um a couple more questions for you first of all i want to pivot a little bit what's something weird about you that maybe uh, our audience should know weird about me yeah oh <laughs> there are a lot of things <laughs> weird about me <laughs> uh, i have a really 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 bad temper Okay. And uh, what's interesting is that it's it's from my dad uh, for sure. We all my siblings actually we have inherited an amazing temper, but I never lose it. I never lose it at work. I only lose it at home. Okay. <laughs> and uh, luckily, I have a very calm, wonderful Danish husband who can definitely handle it. So we are good. Uh, we are good to each other. <laughs> That's a good match. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully that you don't take it out on the podcast host here. I think we're doing, we're doing okay. Not. <laughs> All right. But uh, okay, we're going to wrap up today with one final question. And uh, I asked this question to all of our guests. And that is, what do you think Denmark can teach the rest of the world? And what do you think Denmark can still learn? And I know we talked about it a little bit before in values, but maybe we could add on to that. And I know what we haven't talked about is sustainable development goals as well. So the floor is yours. Yeah, I'm actually very happy that you ask about that because that was my uh, my answer. Uh, I'm working very intensely and our organization works very intensely with the sustainable development goals. And I am completely convinced that sustainability and working with the goals and creating a better world while you can still do business, you know, you can still make, make money and at the same time do good all around us will be very unique competence that Denmark will have to lead in the global world. Denmark is such a, I'm going to say a Danish word, and you can help me to translate, but land. you know, there is so much surplus of, yeah, surplus uh, of time and energy towards other exactly, things. Exactly, towards other things that we actually, if not Denmark, then who will go? Who will be the first one? Who will be the front runner if not Denmark? We have to commit, you know, to uh, creating a better world in terms of the environment, in terms of equality, in 
in terms of you know anything uh, poverty and and so on so i think denmark needs to commit seriously to show the way and we have done this before with the whole green transformation you know in denmark the green technologies green energy field we've been frontrunners in the world before we will have to be frontrunners in terms of turning the UN uh, developing goals to our sole purpose and at the same time still, you know, uh, do good business and still have a nice uh, welfare society and keep it going. Uh, I believe this will be uh, the new unique position for Denmark in the world. It's the UN developing goals and how we use them. Looking at Christensen, I think that is a wonderful place to leave it. I know that I feel, for one, that Denmark is in good hands in DI with you with you there and you know Laos there at the top there too. I think yeah, I'm looking forward to a bright future where Denmark can really take the lead in these these areas. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, King. Thank you so much for listening and good luck. Thanks. Absolutely. To be continued. And to our audience, don't forget to jump over to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. We really love when you rate or review. Uh, it helps spread the message. And uh, if you enjoyed this conversation or any of our other conversations, please tell a friend, tell your dog, tell whoever. And uh, until next time, see you on the GDP. Are you getting the most out of your time in Denmark? Pick up the printed copy of the English language newspaper Copenhagen Post today to access relevant news and event information guaranteed to enhance your working and family life. 